This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Mark. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. And I'm Lena. So today we are going to talk about a topic that may seem strange, but we gotta because... It matters. Well, and we're doing this explicitly for Jean. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. uh, If you don't know who Jean is, you don't need to. But this is for him. And all L other people may benefit. Or Keyword fall may. asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the topic of when did the church begin? Um, which might seem like a silly question at first, but um, there's uh, pretty good reasons for this. You know what? A lot of things that people think are silly, theologically speaking, are not silly if they get past their initial reaction. Yeah. Like, when does the church begin? Who cares? Actually, you should care. Yeah, you should. Well, I think there's a lot to it. Yeah. Well, we're going to really, try you're and gonna tell us. <laughs> no, I'm taking this thing over. <laughs> let me pull up my notes. <laughs> All right. So let let, us, let let me begin by saying that we we are and we've made this evident, I think, in previous podcasts. But we're reformed in our theology. But it's a little art. Yes. So we're reformed in our soteriology, which is a fancy word that just means the doctrine or understanding of salvation. Um, and so those who listen to us might assume therefore that we are reformed across the board yeah and we're we're not we're not yeah so we we have a different position um for instance on what we're going to talk about today which is ecclesiology which is a fancy word that just means doctrine or teaching of the church um so it's different than your our you know our reformed brothers and sisters um and this is important because it's going to affect how you view other aspects and you know understand other pieces of theology so for instance um the relationship between israel and the church um, many prophecies in the Old Testament. You know what's interesting is actually, before we go sure. any further, actually it's in the news. That guy who did the shooting yeah. in California, mm-hmm. he was Presbyterian, I believe, yeah. and he was Reformed with oh, a big R, and he was making... Anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic yeah. ideas, and part of that is theology. And so a lot of reform guys are now saying, well, we need to really rethink how we approach. It's like, yeah, but it, the the problem is really you're wrong on your theology. I mean, <laughs> right. it's, yeah. it, I'm not having any struggle with that because I know when the church began, I know the relationship of church is Israel. But I mean, there are consequences. Not that every reformed guy is going to go off and kill Jews or something like that, but right. it, it does affect that view. And yeah. and then other, you know, related topics of um, the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, how the New Testament uses the Old Testament. Um, and then also, of course, we are different in many of the, the capital R reform people in terms of how we understand the nature of ordinances, Lord's Supper, particularly baptism. Yeah. In fact, I was, I made the mistake of wandering into the reform pub page on Facebook yeah, again. Yeah. I try to avoid it because it annoys me, fair, but yeah. uh, some guy had made a post and it had something to do with baptism. 
And then some commenter, guy who commented, says, well, at least for infant baptism, there's a lot more scriptural uh, evidence. <laughs> and, and I had written so many replies to him, sure. and each one I deleted, because it's like, yeah, no, there's not. Yeah. But again, it, it deals with how, how, it all deals with when does church begin. Yep. And if you don't understand it, Mm-hmm. then you're going to go a different direction. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I mean, if you go that direction, I think you're wrong, just like they think I'm wrong, but right. it, it, it affects it. So there are a lot of positions on this issue. Uh, some people think there's just two or three major ones, but there's a lot of positions. And it's, as a result, become very complex and oftentimes very heated. And you can see that in places like Reformed Pub. Um, but it affects many things, how you approach the Bible and its meaning and therefore its application in our lives. And so uh, we thought what we do is start out by giving some of the views that are out there. We're not going to get into detail. We're not going to give all the biblical evidence or argumentation from them. We're just going to kind of state what the position is and then talk about our position. Yeah, how many views are there at least? At least that we came up with 13. You can almost hear the people clicking <laughs> We're all done here. We're done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll try and do it quick. Well, um, we'll do it in that typical fascinating way that we yeah. you know, we alone can do, right? Scintillating. Scintillating, yeah, yeah. that's your favorite word, right? And titillating. All right. Don't, don't do it. Don't do that. <laughs> Get over it. It's a good word. <laughs> I can't keep my mind out of the gutter enough not to okay. laugh. Well, that's just sad. Well, that's... well no, but I'm like... <laughs> That's the problem you and your own flesh, man. That's not. All right. So uh, that's the... another podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, All right. So the views. So views. Yeah. There's about uh, at least 13 views. And so we're going to state those. So what's the first one? Okay. The, the most broadest, and you'll see a lot of people in reform camp argue for this in one way or another, is it began at the very beginning of time. And it involves all who have ever believed in God. So Adam and Eve are part of the church. Noah, apparently Seth, Methuselah, everybody. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just all people who have ever believed God unto salvation, they're part of the, church. the church. Yeah. Um, another view, the second view would be the church began at the call of Abraham and the creation of a people with whom God made a covenant. So this is Genesis chapter 12. Um, so in this view, the church would essentially involve Israel and today what the Bible calls the church. So this would exclude Abraham. Uh, everyone be ho- like before Noah. Abraham, Noah, Adam. Yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, people like that. Bottom line: If you're not going to argue our position, <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there right away. Just if you're not going to argue our position, then the only other one that you really should argue for is that all people throughout all time. Yeah, because what do you at do some with, point you're excluding. Yeah, somebody. what do you do with those other people? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So what's another view? Okay. Uh, the church began at the time of Jesus who founded the church. Um, but now we start getting into some complexity because there's subpoints, right? Mm-hmm. So this one has four specific positions on it. Um, the first is that it began when Jesus began to call his disciples together. So it's not like at his baptism, but immediately afterward, as he looks at Matthew and says, follow me, uh, this is your core group. Um, this is his launch team. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking the same thing. This is your this is your launch team for your church plant. Church plant he was right. a, Jesus was the first church planter. They would say, right? I wouldn't, but yeah, that's okay. Anyhow, second one would be uh, 
what, uh, it began when Peter made the great confession of Jesus at the, as the true Christ. That's in Matthew 16. Um, yeah. You want to read it? Well, you go, go for it. All right. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, it was at... <laughs> Caesarea. Caesarea. He was... <laughs> He was, asking, fun. he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter's answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, son, oh gosh, Simon Bar- Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So would this be more of a Catholic um, well, no, because we're we're saying, or I think this position states that it's 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 the confession. It's a confession. confession whereas yeah. Catholics would say it's Peter himself oh, being the first pope. True. Okay. Um, right. So um, they would say, yeah, that the church began here when essentially Peter makes his confession after recognizing that this Jesus is indeed the Christ. He's the prophesied one. And so then he says, "I will build my church." Yeah. yeah. So from there, he's building. Okay, I see how. Yeah. So that's the second subview in this one. Third one is, uh, it began when Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples, and there he instituted the New Covenant, which he didn't at that point yet, uh, that would be established with his blood by his own death. Um, So it's the Last Supper, that's the beginning. And then the fourth one is, it began when Christ rose from the dead. Uh, So in that view, the church was brought to life when Christ was brought to life. That would preach well. I was just thinking, that preach is good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it's not right. right yeah. It's fably. <laughs> fably a little bit, yeah. Um, uh, a fourth view then, well, a seventh view. Uh, I was going to say, actually, yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. I don't know. It's letter D on my screen. Yeah, so D, the D view. Um, the, <laughs> the, the church began uh, simply at the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost, which is in Acts chapter 2. Um, and I won't say much more on that. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Um, good. So what would be the next view? All right. And so then, and this one is a hyper-dispensationalist view. Uh, the church began sure. with Paul. It's rare, but it's still taught. In fact, we, we deal with it, and I've dealt with it on a few occasions with in the last couple of years. Hmm. Um, and again, it's just hyper-dispensationalism that really breaks up the scripture in some really awkward ways. So um, the gospel that Paul preaches is not the same gospel mm-hmm. that Christ preached. Um, his was a gospel of grace, and that's where the church began, at least for the Gentiles. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the next view, which is complex, but this is um, God, that the church, is. yeah, the church began with the kingdom of God, and so the key here is this concept of the kingdom of God, and it's 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 intangible, it's ethereal, um, and therefore it it is complex. Um, so, so they should take a sip of their coffee, right? Now. Yeah. Um, so let me just, I'll, I'll do a flyby here. Um, in, what you have to understand with this view is that um, the beginning of the church is tightly connected um, really with when a person understands um, that the kingdom of God has been established. Um, and so there's several views here because it's tied up with the idea that the kingdom begins 
um, really when the king begins his reign. Um, so it's not just the kingdom of God you. in some vague sense. It's, it's now when the king is reigning. And so the, the key here is to figure out when the king, meaning Jesus, began his reign. Um, and so with that, of course. You know what? You know a theologian mm. came up with this one. Mm. Just perhaps several. Because, yeah. yeah, because this requires a whole lot of thinking that goes well beyond really what you need to. But I would yeah. never think of this. <laughs> well, that's because you're not, you know, spiritual. I'm you don't have a, not the, um, so with that, of course, several views, yeah, uh, have, have come about. Um, so the first one would be the church began in eternity past. Um, and the, the reasoning here is that there's never a time in which Christ did not reign as King of Kings. So if he's always been reigning, his, his, his kingdom therefore has always been. And if the church is bound up with the kingdom, mm -hmm. the church has been around since eternity past. All right. Um, I, that's. No, no. I'm, I'm not saying I, know, I came up I with these, okay? Um, the church began <laughs> when the messenger here for crying out loud. I'm like John the Baptist, all right? Just a forerunner. Yeah, I'm about ready to take your head off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the church, know. the second view then is the church began when Christ brings the kingdom now to the earth, but in his incarnation. Um, that's when that's when his his reign in some sense begins. Um, so in this view, the kingdom is specifically tied to the messianic kingdom, um, not you know the pre-incarnate Christ necessarily. Um, so it's when he arrives on the scene. Um, the kingdom is said to be dawning in the miracles and the healings of both Jesus and his disciples. So the kingdom's beginning to break in. There's a, this foretaste of of what's to come when there'll be no sickness, disease, death, the incipient, yeah, so on and so forth. Um, you know, interesting also, um, they pick up on passages like Luke chapter 10, where it says that during this time, the kingdom is so present that Satan is then seen to be falling from heaven, um, as Jesus states there in Luke. And so they'll use passages like that. Um, another one, I like this one. Uh, the church began when Christ is reigning from the cross. Um, this is seen in the irony of what Pilate mm. wrote in the plaque above the cross, John nineteen nineteen. Um, it says, Pilate also wrote an inscription in put it on the cross, it was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. And so there's this spiritual ironic kind of thing where he's reigning from the cross. Yeah, you'd like that. Um, I'm not saying I agree you with it. You don't agree with it, but you appreciate that. It's clever. It's poetic. Yeah, real fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, another one, uh, the kingdom and therefore the church began when Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father where he reigns as King um, until all things are subjected under his feet and all of his enemies are put under his feet. First Corinthians 15, oh, I got this. 22 through 25. All right. for, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after that those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he put he has put all his enemies under his feet. Okay, so there obviously his his reigning is when he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and waiting for these enemies to be subjected to him. Um, so there, there's various shades in this this whole um, kingdom of God position, um, and the entire thing rests on when you understand the kingdom of God begins, um, because the, the the church in this view is inextricably tied to the kingdom of God. Um, and so the church is the people of the kingdom, where Christ Himself, of course, is is the King. So it, it it's all premised on the presupposition then that the kingdom of God and the church are right. Yeah, one and the same essentially. So all you have to do is scratch at that. 
Yeah. And and then it falls apart. Begins to unravel a bit. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I, I've never heard that one. Yeah. Um, so uh, some conclusions on these views. Um, the point to understand is it's much debated. Uh, there's there's a lot of thoughts on this and a lot of you know ink that's been spilled. And whether you know it or not, if you're going to a church, there's a position at mm-hmm. that church. And if there's not, then you should leave that church because <laughs> that pastor literally has no knowledge. You yeah. know. But if you're if you're belonging to a specific church, ask your pastor. You know, when did the church begin? And you'll get a sense. You'll hear one of these views in some way or another. Yeah. And and but it then um, it, it it it's very debated, but it's debated because it needs to be debated. W- yeah. You'd agree with that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so with these views, we, you know, we don't have the time to talk about all the exegetical support, or if we want to be snotty, the lack thereof. I um, like being snotty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, you know, so we don't have the time to talk about all those, but um, there are some views that are stronger than others and have more exegetical and biblical support. Um, we would also say some of the views may sound good as a concept, um, but when you start picking at them, um, they begin to crumble. Um, most of these, yeah, I would say almost all of them are built off of some kind of theological system that has very little textual support. And that that's huge. So for everyone who's listening, some of you, you've thought about this to some degree or another, and you've landed, right? They, they're like, it began X. Yeah. Um, but some of them, they never have. So, you know, we're going to get into what we think is the right view, and we're pretty convinced of that, and we're going to try to make some exegetical arguments for it, right? Yeah. Um, like you said, we're not going to tear apart all of those views, um, but what you said is so important. The vast majority of those views are not actually based off of scriptural support. They're, they're a theological necessity. And that's what's important. Um, once you, when when you when you hear a person say, "Well, if you understand covenant theology, and then this all makes sense," you already know yeah. there's a problem with that because yep. the covenant theology is telling you it must be that. Well, that's not how theology is done. Theology is developed from yeah. the text. In yep. fact, Calvin said that we are to be. Um, he said it in Latin, but constantly reforming. Right. And and the idea was not that we calcify or or we keep on developing new theological concepts, but that if we're always in the Word, then our our theology is uh, constantly being reformed refined. and defined yeah. and refined. That's refined. a great one. Yeah. Um, and that, I found that true. I, I I think it's something you would agree with that after every sermon, a little bit of your theology is either clarified or affirmed Nuanced. something yeah. but but it, it you're in this constant state of change if you are expositional and exegetical in your teaching um, rather than just buying sermons online and spouting off the latest relevant garbage yeah so every every theology has to stand the test of every text yep um, and so as you start to drag your theology through every passage as you're an expositional preacher it does refine it change it force you to have to some, sometimes, and so that th- this is a, simply an introduction, and we're going to bring it to a close here, and we're just going to ask the people think about it, 
what what's their position. And when they uh, get the next uh, podcast, they'll be able to hear what we believe is the right position and why. And uh, hopefully it will be something that will, at the very least, um, challenge them mm-hmm. and hopefully encourage them. Yeah. Or you may not know what you think. So and then tuned. you'll find out how to think because you listen <laughs> to us. Well, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs>